Welcome to the State of the NL West podcast. This is the Freeway Entrance. I'm Dusty Baker and Derek Johnson is merging along with me. Derek, we're going to go straight into our fielder's choice. And uh, this past week was very bizarre for Jock Peterson. Um, We know that Jock can find himself in really weird situations. It's just kind of in his personality. Uh, But he was slapped by Tommy Pham over a fantasy football incident. So... Because of that, I, I, before we even get into this fielder's choice, I just want your initial thoughts on on that incident. I mean, does this even feel real to you? It's almost like an SNL skit to me. Apparently, it was a $10,000 buy-in league. Some other players like Eric Hosmer and stuff were in it. So you would have thought that if there was a slap, it's like, hey, this is a big money league. I won the league. I never got my money. Like, that's what this is about. No, this was about something completely weird that, like, Jock Peterson was putting guys who were out on the, the IR list and – It became a whole big thing. I guess Mike Trout is involved. He's like the commissioner of the league, and Tommy Pham thought he could have done a better job. Pham, I guess, was in second place of the Fantasy Football League and quit because he was in so much disgust that this was happening. I can't imagine being this mad over something that little. I want to be in this league. And also, it's funny that Pham would question Mike Trout not being the greatest at anything. He is absolutely the greatest baseball player, and I guarantee you he is the greatest commissioner too. Uh, So with that, our fielder's choice, Derek. This is one of the more bizarre things that we've seen happen just in general in the NLS. So I want to bring up a couple other bizarre situations, and I want you to tell me what's the most bizarre thing that you can think of in recent memory. So we're going to go back to probably as early as 2000, okay? The year 2000, anything from that point on to where we are at right now. So some things for me that just come to mind, the Madison Bumgarner motorcycle accident, that was a little strange where he was out because he was motorcycle riding. Fernando Tatis Jr., kind of a similar situation, of course, what we've seen this season. How about Yasiel Puig? He had his bag with the Dodgers thrown off the bus by Zach Greinke because Greinke was tired of Puig. Um, That's just the most Zach Greinke story I think I've ever heard. Uh, You have Matt Kemp, who dated Rihanna, and then you saw his numbers just trail off after that. Uh, every Dodgers fan was disturbed by that one. Uh, you had Randy Johnson who killed a bird. You had Brian Wilson just in general being weird on Jim Rome's show. For me, it has to come down to either Clint Farms, who, by the way, uh, not a very productive player, but when he was with the Rockies at this point in time, he was actually one of their better hitters in 2005. He broke his collarbone while trying to carry a package of deer meat down the stairs, and it was given to him by his teammate Todd Helton. That was a very weird one. Jeremy Affel was the other one. He had just a weird streak of injuries. That included trying to separate frozen hamburger patties for a barbecue. Uh, He got injured that way. He sprained his right knee while jumping with his four-year-old son. Um, He's had some really weird stuff going on. Anything with Brian Wilson becomes weird. (laughs) If you're just, like, purely weird – Madison Bumgarner for me, because that was like Madison Bumgarner was still kind of in his prime there. And that felt like the dip to kind of fall off a little bit. So that one was very unfortunate. The Jack Peterson one, honestly, like I'm surprised, surprised stuff like this doesn't happen even more that people, I, it probably does just like in the, the locker room, like during the fantasy football league and they get mad at each other or something like that. So I bet you it happens more often than you think, but what are the odds of actually hitting a bird with the pitch? Right? I, I think that that's probably got to be the weirdest one. Randy Johnson took a soul that day, and uh, he took our hearts as well. <laughs> uh, we're going to head straight into the high tide headlines. We don't have a lot this week there. Dodgers' Russell Martin. Uh, of course, he is a longtime L.A. Dodger. He went to Toronto. He went to the Yankees. 
uh, the Pirates for a little bit. He has announced his retirement officially. Remember, he made that last loop back to the Dodgers, and uh, now he is off to retirement. Any memories as a Giants fan of Russell Martin? Not really a ton of positive ones. I remember some games where he did the Giants in. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I'll remember him most for his time with the Dodgers. He was so good defensively, and he would steal the occasional base as a catcher, which you didn't always see. Uh, and he was kind of at the you know end of when things went from the Frank McCourt years, and you have Russell Martin and Andre Ethier and James Loney and stuff into this new transition of this kind of powerhouse team that they've been over the last uh, whatever decade or half decade or so. My memory of Russell Martin will be when he was the home run number three in the four plus one game in which uh, you had four consecutive home runs against the Padres, including two off Trevor Hoffman. Um, and then you had Nomar Garcia Parra hit a walk-off home run against them as well. That game was crazy. Russell Martin will always go down for me as a legend just for that one home run. Uh, so happy retirement to Russell Martin. Uh, how about active players? Max Muncy is headed to the 10-day IL. And in response, the Dodgers are bringing up Kevin Pillar. Uh, tough time for Muncy this season, Derek. He has really struggled and – I don't really know what's going on. Like at this point, it feels like it's, it's beyond something else. Like it's a confidence thing as well. And I think this could be the best thing for him. Just kind of reset. And how about Kevin Pillar? He has now checked off three of the NOS teams off his NOS bingo cards. All that's left, he needs to play for the Padres and the Diamondbacks after this. Kevin Pillar and Gerardo Parra are probably best friends. They feel like the exact same player, except from a righty-lefty perspective. It, it just feels like that's the kind of role that they fit. To the Padres we go, and there is some optimism, Derek, that Fernando Tatis Jr. could swing the bat as of next week. He is traveling with the team currently. Pretty big news for the Padres at this time. Yeah, they could use the injection into their lineup. As, as good as they've been as a team overall, they're 22nd in the MLB in WRC+. Plus. I think they're 23rd in OPS right now. So it, it hasn't been the, the best, I don't know, I guess, uh, lineup so far for them. And Manny Machado, Eric Cosmer starting to fall off a little bit over the last week or two weeks in the case of Machado. They could use him back as soon as possible. And speaking of Machado, he had a cortisone shot in his elbow. That was for tennis elbow. That might be a little concerning and part of the reason why you've seen this drop off for Machado. Yeah, I, I have no idea how that affects your batting because like you see like Bryce Harper's dealing with a you know messed up UCL and he still continues to rake. Um, so I have no idea if that's affecting things or not. And it's a good thing once again that we have the DH and the NL because I'm sure that allows for Machado to, to keep playing a little bit longer. For your San Francisco Giants, so we kind of covered it a little bit, but Tommy Pham was suspended three games because he decided to jo slap a Jock Peterson in the face. Seems perfectly normal. I, what are your actual thoughts on that, by the way? Well, honestly, I think that what needs to happen is Jock Peterson needs to get in the same fantasy league as some other Dodgers and Padres and, and other players in the division so that he can try to get slapped by them. And you know what? Get a three-game suspension for Freddie Freeman or Mookie Betts when they're playing the Giants. That would certainly help uh, with the Giants in, in their race for the NL West. Honestly, I just thought it was kind of a silly story. I'm a commissioner in a lot of leagues, so like uh, I understand Mike Trout's side of it where it's just like, ah, I just want to kind of stay out of this thing. Um, Luke Williams, though, uh, also got traded to the Royals, and 
that's a sad thing because uh, seeing his wavy hair in the Bay Area, it, it, was, it just felt like it was meant to be out on the coast and you have that kind of surfer-looking dude. Uh, the Colorado Rockies, all we do, Derek, I feel like, is talk about how bad Chris Bryan and the signing was, but it just seems like every week there's some news that we don't want to hear about him, and this news for him is he's going to miss another two to three weeks. How much more detrimental is it to a lineup that really at this time only has ben- Brendan Rodgers and C.J. Crone producing? That's okay. Charlie Blackman over 1,000 OPS over the last week. So if he keeps that up and uh, keeps looking like the all-star former Charlie Blackman, then I guess they can weather the storm there. But yeah, they just haven't gotten enough out of Chris Bryant for what the contract is. And there's still a lot of years for this to play out. Obviously, you're worried more about the long-term health when you sign a guy to a long-term contract. And they never went into this season to begin with expecting to contend. So the fact that they've been okay so far is just kind of the cherry on top. Finally, have the Arizona Diamondbacks. Not a lot of news around them. Cooper Hummel has been reinstated as well. With that, we are cruising the coast. We're going to start with the LA Dodgers. They were first last week. They were first in this week and also first for the past couple of weeks. Dodgers 33-16 and 16 heading into the day. At the time of recording, they are tied with the Pirates. And uh, let's just say the Pirates are the bane of this team's existence. They did win two of three in Washington. Then they swept the Arizona Diamondbacks on the road in four. But they fell in two games to the Pirates at home. And uh, that is four or five games in which they have lost the Pirates. And uh, who knows, by the time you're hearing this, that could very well mean that they've lost another one, too. Uh, They have four coming up against the Mets at home. They have three on the road in the White Sox and three on the road at the Giants. But, uh, Derek, the Pirates is just a weird thing for the Dodgers this year. I don't understand it at all. But, overall, this team's still a wagon. They are number one in the MLB in WRC+. They're number one in starters ERA. They're number three in bullpen ERA. They just do everything well. I don't understand how the Pirates are doing this. Um, But, you know, I I guess that's good for the rest of the NLS because certainly no one in the division is having much success against the Dodgers so far. So, Uh, I vote that the Pirates have to play the Dodgers 80 times. And I know that probably over the long haul, that actually works out better for the Dodgers. But, you know, short sample size, Pirates own the Dodgers. It's just bizarre, too, because Walker Bueller, Julio Arias, they just can't seem to figure these guys out. And and I do have a concern, and it's simply that – those two are really struggling right now to actually get and put away hitters. And so, uh, you know, you're going to maybe see down the road here that Ryan Pepiot is going to get more starts. Uh, Tyler Anderson's looked really good. But overall, it is a bit of a concern that the rotation is really just not stepping up. Moving on to the five-tool Friars, San Diego Padres, second last week, second this week, 30-20 and 20 overall. Two, though, wins in four losses in their last six. They dropped two of three to the Brewers at home. Then they won two of three against those Pirates at home. But then they got swept on the road in three games in St. Louis. They now have four games on the road in Milwaukee. They have three at home versus the Mets and four at home versus the Rockies. It's going to be tough to see what this Padres team does over that stretch because of the fact that Machado may not necessarily be healthy and they're still without Tatis. Yeah, I I continue to be amazed at how good they've done considering you look at it. It's 22nd WRC plus. Their bullpen ERA is 15th. The starting ERA has been really good, and that's been a big reason why they're so good. They're sixth in the MLB in starters ERA. Obviously, Joe Musgrove has looked like a legit Cy Young candidate. Hugh Darvish is really starting to pitch well here over the last couple weeks or month. I know that Mike Clevenger's on the IL, but he was pitching really well for them. 
How about Mackenzie Gore, man? I, I keep waiting for like, you know, not the balloon to burst. Like he's still like a really good pitcher, but I keep waiting for, okay, is he going to hit kind of that rookie wall where he slows down a little bit and he's still a, a solid pitcher, but over the, you know, some small stretch, he has to make adjustments and teams kind of figure him out. But he just seems to be getting better and better with each and every start. The San Francisco Giants in third place behind those Padres. Third place last week, third place this week. 27-22 and 22 overall, 3-3 three and three in their last six. They won two of three versus the Mets. Then they dropped two of three in Cincinnati. And then they won two of three in Philadelphia. It almost feels like that's backwards. Uh, two really good series wins and one really pathetic series loss. Uh, that's just baseball, I guess. They now have four in Miami, three at home versus the Rockies, and three at home versus the Dodgers. I think some of it is honestly bad luck. Like, I, I don't want to play that game, but I think over the long haul, they'll be okay. For instance, they are in the top three, both in terms of average exit velocity against them from a pitching staff and in terms of barrels per plate appearance against them as a pitching staff. They're also in the top six in K to BB percentage, strikeout to walk percentage. All those tell you that this should be a really good pitching staff. You look at the fifth, it expects them to be good. You look at the expected ERA, expects them to be good. Yet right now, when you look at overall as a starting pitching staff, they are just 22nd in the MLB in ERA. And then you look at the bullpen and they're 27th in the MLB in ERA. So like they're, they're looking actually okay. They're just not getting the results that they necessarily want. I think if they can just kind of hang around four, five, six games over 500 by the All-Star break, and then you hope that some of that stuff kind of reverts, you make a move or two at the deadline, and then you try to get hot toward the end of the season as a wild card team. Evan Longoria, how about five home runs in this past week as well? The Arizona Diamondbacks have kind of reverted back a little bit from what we would more expect than what we've seen over the past month or so. They are two and five in the last seven. They're 25 and 27 overall. They won two against the Royals, but then they were swept in four, both series at home. And this one was against the Dodgers. Then they will beat the Braves though in two games out of three at home. So now they have three on the road in Pittsburgh, four on the road in Cincinnati, three at Philadelphia. You're starting to see some of those rookies like Alec Thomas kind of revert back to normal, Derek, but uh, Dimeback's still kicking it at least. Yeah, they are some of the starting pitching because they don't have the depth, even with the top three guys, Bumgarner, Gallon, and, and Kelly. And those guys have not fallen off, but the numbers have dropped a little bit. Their starter ERA is down to 17. So that has been the strength of the team, and that still is the strength of the team. But if it's only 17th, that's not great if that's like the best part about your team, right? Uh, they're 24th in WRC+, plus, not hitting enough. But I'll say this, uh, Christian Walker, if, whether it's fantasy leagues or just be like on the lookout for a guy, that dude is just mashing the baseball right now. And you look at his baseball savant page, and there is red everywhere. But then you look, and he's, he's barely over the Mendoza line at 200. Now, he certainly is when he is making contact, smashing it. But you look at his I, – I have not seen, like, a, a jump this big in a while. His expected batting average on baseball savant, 280. Yet he's barely above the Mendoza line. He is in the 97th percentile for expected slugging percentage. I'm telling you – this guy is about to go on an absolute tear. I mean, he already kind of is. Like, over the last week or two, he is starting to pick up the batting average and everything. The power numbers have been there all year. I'm telling you, this guy, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's going to be tough because Zach Gallen probably is the guy that slots into that. But, like, hypothetically, if you had to pick one hitter from the Diamondbacks to make the All-Star game, Cattell Marte is the obvious one. 
But I wouldn't be surprised if by the time we get to, you know, the beginning of July, if we're talking about Christian Walker in that way. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked either. That average concerns me a little bit. But as you had mentioned, too, the peripherals tell you that it's not exactly where it's supposed to be. So I, I totally agree with you. Christian Walker is destroying the baseball right now. Um, and he did it in the past, too. This is nothing particularly new. He just had a major drop off after really the 2020 season. So uh, curious to see if he keeps it going, as you predicted right there. Finally, we have the Colorado Rockies, who, as you kind of had alluded to earlier, they really don't have a ton of offense outside of Charlie Blackman's looked good over the last week. Jonathan Dodds has looked pretty decent. And then you have C.J. Crone and Brendan Rodgers, who have shown that they can actually put the stick on the ball uh, more than the past week, too. So what exactly is these these Rockies issue right now? Because right now they've fallen two of three on the road to Pittsburgh. Then they dropped three of four on the road at the Nationals. And at the time of recording, uh, tied at 11 with the Marlins. Hey, the Rockies after this, they have four at home versus the Braves, three on the road in San Fran and four in San Diego. Their bullpen is so bad. They are the worst ERA of bullpens in the MLB. And the difference, the drop-off between them and the next worst, which is the Royals and the Reds, because they're at a 535 ERA, is about the same difference in the gap between second, the Detroit Tigers, all the way down to like ninth or tenth with the Mets and Brewers. Like it is a very sizable gap there. So they are by far the worst bullpen. That's going to cause issues. And, and we know it's harder to pitch in, in Colorado. Um, they do have some interesting pieces in the lineup. CJ Crone continues to rake. I mentioned Charlie Blackman kind of figuring it out. Brendan Rodgers hit a home run earlier today. But it's still like overall, if you look at WRC plus when it takes into account the ballpark and everything, they're still 21st, which I will say that's third among the uh, five teams in the NOS. So that's a positive, but it's not good enough to offset that bad of pitching. But it was a nice start for them. And, you know, they're uh, a sweep win of a series this weekend or winning three or four or something from being right around 500 once again. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the Rockies moving forward, if they can get out of the cellar here. But that will do it here. We have arrived at our freeway exit. Derek, any final thoughts on where we stand right now in the NL West? Um, right now, you have two teams from NL West in the wild cards. So that's good. And currently, the Diamondbacks are the first team out of that third wild card. So, you know, the race to get all those teams in there still slightly alive. And most importantly, always order for us. <laughs> always order fries that is the go-to saying of this show i will say this uh we're gonna start seeing trades i think pop up here in the very near future we are closer to the deadline than it may seem as well and of course they did push the deadline back a little bit but uh one of these teams if they want to make a push such as the diamondbacks or more importantly i think your giants derek uh, they may make a move sooner than later uh, just to try and keep themselves in the race. Could be the Padres as well. But I'm expecting a big move from an NLS team sooner than later. Uh, I'm putting it and saying it as we speak. And maybe the Dodgers trying to address the rotation. Uh, but expect a trade to happen well before the deadline for one of these squads. All right, that will do it here. We have arrived at the freeway exit. And on behalf of Just Baseball, he is Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Join us again next week as we break down the happenings here on the Best Coast.